You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. I'm Jake McCandless, and today I'm going to be talking about the judgment seat of Christ. If you caught my last episode, I was talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Well, both judgments. The great white throne judgment of Revelation 20 and the judgment seat of Christ. I urge you to please lean in today. I ask that of you because I believe the Lord has a message for us through this episode. But I say that Because of the battle I've had to get this episode together. The file, the raw file where I'm recording this, says Jake's episode four, take six. (laughs) Yes, take six. Am I that bad? Well, I mean, you'd be the judge of that. But it's been straight out of Proverbs 16 or Proverbs 19. Proverbs 16, 9, we read, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Proverbs 19, we read, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I feel like this is where this is coming from. So in my previous episode, I started what I thought was going to be a series of episodes about images that we could burn in our mind to help us not only know the events of the end of the age, but to know the trajectory of where we are now to then. I shared one that I called the end time image for the soul talked about how, when we talk about preparing, what are we talking about preparing for? Ultimately it's the judgments, the judgment of is our name in the Lamb's book of life or not. And then the judgment seat of Christ, us as believers going before the Lord. And then the plan was, I was going to do an episode on an image of the end time that I believe we can burn into our minds and have an idea of the trajectory of everything, all the moving pieces of the physical end-of-the-age events here on earth. But that has to wait. For in every which way I've tried to record and put that together, I have ran into walls. And I'll spare you the details. So here we go, given the conversation that I believe the Lord has directed me to, doing it with the flu. So if I don't sound too hot, that's why. We'll blame it on that, right? But I want to go back to the judgment seat of Christ. What does that look like? Well, there's been archaeological work that has unearthed Bema seats, the word that is used there. So we have an indication of maybe something to visualize. But in my journey over the last several years with Stand Firm and encouraging people to remain faithful and help them navigate such a time as this, the Lord has placed on my heart another image of this judgment. It's a bit odd, and it's not universal. So I'll have to break it down, but it's important that we know what's at stake at that judgment. So when it comes to the Bema seat, we see from archaeological work, it seems to be a central place within ancient cities where judgments were pronounced. Some say it's like a modern day courtroom. For others talk about this judgment seat of Christ, judgment, as like the podiums at the Olympics are being recognized by our faithfulness, which matches really well when we talk about the different crowns mentioned in Scripture. 
the five heavenly crowns. They're not talking about royal crowns, but they're talking about victor's crowns going back to the games. And this image I have actually has its roots in a sermon series I did on the five heavenly crowns. You know, the Bible has messed up a lot of good sermons. (laughs) Hear me out. So in 2020, I replanted a church, been through a very difficult time. Yeah. Did you catch that? 2020? Yeah. Yeah. We launched January 19th, 2020, and we get about five weeks in before COVID hits. When we launched, we began a study walking through Pilgrim's Progress, using that as a guide and just this image of being on a journey. When we completed that, you're familiar with the book, as Pilgrim makes it finally to the Celestial City, I then announced, did the artwork, I was going to do the sermon series on the five heavenly crowns. And by looking at these crowns, we would have a rubric for the judgment seat of Christ. We'd have a scorecard. In school, when they would ask us to write essays and those things, the teacher would use a rubric. And you could write and write all you wanted to, but you had to be sure to hit these things that they're looking for. So I felt like these five crowns would give that rubric. Well, the Bible messed up that series. Because as week one, as I dove in, I came to realize it's not this neat list of five different crowns, five different areas. No, all of them, for the most part, talk about just faithfulness, that the Lord is looking for faithfulness. Yeah, that sermon was messed up. So on the rubric, we have this standing firm, this remaining faithful, Matthew 24, those who stand firm to the end will be saved. Our faithfulness is important. Well, if you caught My first two episodes, I talked about that. The first episode, I talked about the need to stand firm, to prepare for the challenges and stand firm in them. And then in the next one, we went to Luke 19, the parable of the ten minas, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, and looked at how standing firm isn't enough. That in each of those parables, there is a servant who just stands firm who takes their talent and protects it, buries it, that takes their mina and keeps it safe. In each parable, the master or the king is angered by that. Of course, that's representing Jesus. And I believe those parables are the best representations of the judgment seat of Christ. The master, the king returns, and we, his servants, go before him and give a report. Standing firm, faithfulness, is base level. Now, here in the West, in America especially, we're not doing a good job of just standing firm, but that's the base level. In both of those parables, the master, the king, is looking for servants that are expanding his business, expanding his kingdom. That's not just a financial thing, but the master and the king's business, his portfolio is in souls. So if we were to take the financial aspect of the parable of the talents, I always like going to Luke 19, the parable of the 10 minas, because every time you say talents, you know, my mind goes to like America's got talent and, you know, being able to sing and whatever talents you might have, you know, it's, it's talking about a sum of money. The new living translation calls it a bag of gold. Uh, But in the parable of the 10 minas, it's easier to understand. This is talking about a, a certain amount of money they're given. 
But if we were to back up and say, okay, in actuality, in what this parable represents, is that we are given all types of investments from the Lord. Our spiritual gifting, yes. Our time, our energy, our resources, our freedoms, our opportunities. The list goes on. We're given that. He is looking for us to use that to grow his kingdom, which means to make disciples. When I finished that sermon series, each week the Bible just completely blowing up my plan. You know, that's why it's always best to start with the Bible before you do the artwork, right? That's why it's important to do exegesis, not eisegesis, right? But I walked away from that study so convicted that what matters at that judgment ultimately, now listen again. Our walking with the Lord, our loving others, all these things he, he told us to do need to be there. The fruits of the Spirit, you know, those things need to be there. But that seems to be ground level. He's looking at how did we expand his kingdom. And I became so convicted as a pastor. Because, yes, my heart is that those in the community and beyond that we have the opportunity to reach through the body of believers I'm working with, I feel a responsibility of sharing the gospel and helping them come to know the Lord and walk with Him. But I also feel a great burden of those who have come to Christ that I can walk alongside them and help them hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I became convinced that I can't help them hear, well done, my good and faithful servant if I'm not helping them make disciples. I really believe based on those parables, if we're not making disciples, we're not hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. Yeah, that was the key phrase here. If you're ever going to pull a quote out, pull that one out. If we're not making disciples, we're not going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And if there's an area lacking Well, there's a lot of areas lacking in the American church. But if there's an area lacking with a faithful remnant, hear me out. Of the faithful in the American church, if there's something lacking, it's this. If there is something lacking from those the Lord has awakened to see where we are prophetically and have dove into these things, yes, you and me. If there's something lacking, it tends to be this. Most who are tracking in this thing, including me, are on the introverted side. Evangelism, discipling, not our strong suit. But we have to hear the Lord here. Our making of disciples equals, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I told you I had this strange image of the judgment seat of Christ. Now, it's not universal. I know this doesn't translate to everyone. But before I felt called to vocational ministry, my goal in life to be a professional bass fisherman. Yeah, that's a thing. (laughs) I wanted to fish as a career, fish bass tournaments. Again, that's a thing. So within a bass tournament, typically, 
you go out and fish. You have a start time, and then you're going to have an end time. You go out, you fish, and you're typically trying just to catch five. You catch your fish. You come in to set time. You then put your fish from the live well, because you're keeping them alive, from the live well to your bag of water. And then you go stand in line and wait to weigh your fish. And then when it's time, you take your fish, they put it on the scale. And there before everybody, the numbers appear. And the winner is whoever has the heaviest stringer of fish. Again, I know that image is not universal, but picture that way in with me. I believe that's the judgment seat of Christ. Now again, faithfulness matters. Our loving of others, our loving one another. Those things matter. But if we're to look at the parables of the talents and the minas and try to take away, okay, what's the Lord looking for here? And then, you know, go to what he said, right? The Great Commission, Matthew 28, to go and make disciples? To what he called the disciples to to begin with, Matthew 4, to follow him and be fishers of men, or in Acts 1.8, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. Yeah, I mean, we probably ought to stick with just what Jesus said, but we heard, but we've heard that so much and it's become so familiar that I think hearing it in this way from the parables really helps. So my image of the judgment seat of Christ is a fishing tournament weigh-in. Do you have fish that you caught? Going back to Matthew 4, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Do you have people that you have discipled? Now, I can hear the but Jake in the background. I can hear it. Or maybe that's just myself. It's easy to say, well, some are gifted, you know, some are gifted evangelists. Some are gifted in these areas. Man, it's a lot easier for an extrovert. Yeah. True. We may have been given different talents. Ugh. Bad pun, right? But yet we're still responsible for a catch. I feel like you're likely like me. You've sat in conferences. You've been in, sat in church. You get fired up. Okay, I'm going to go carry out this great commission. You know it's what you're supposed to do. You walk outside, and it's like, oh, how in the world can I ever do that? How can we reach the world? How can I reach my city? How can I reach all these people? And I think there lies the issue. We, we get paralyzed by the size of the task. Well, I think we need to step back. And when I talked about those bass tournaments, we're out there just trying to catch five fish. The mantra is, get five. It's not a whole lot. Now, there's days when that's impossible. <laughs> One of the first tournaments I fished was fishing with my dad, and it was an all-night tournament. I know that absolutely sounds terrible, doesn't it? 
And we're on a particular lake that had a length limit. The largemouth bass had to be a certain length to keep. But that lake also had spotted bass. And there was no length limit on that. You see where I'm going, don't you? Somewhere in the middle of the night, I catch two fish that may have been four inches long. The first one I caught, I take it off my lure, start putting it in the live well. My dad's like, whoa, wait a minute. You're not, gonna, you're not thinking about weighing that in, are you? I'm like, well, maybe. <laughs> I won't weigh it. I won't be the first one to weigh it in, but I'm going to take it to the weigh-in. All night long, we fished, and my two miniature fish were all that we caught. Daylight comes. We go into the weigh-in. It was a rough night for everyone. There were two fish caught that night out of the 30-something, well, 30 boats of 60 participants. My two fish didn't even weigh a pound. But they won me $600 that night. And I think when it comes to us carrying out the Great Commission, we've got to shrink it. Let's get one. I'm currently a church planner. And we're looking at, at the end of the age, what's the church need to look like at the end of the age and trying to work our way back. And we're creating a network of what we call neighborhood and network churches. And I, I tell my leaders all the time, in Jesus' ministry, he made 12, well, 11 disciples, basically. And three that he really poured into. So for us to begin thinking, we've got to reach all these people, let's, let's back it up. Just think about, what if I reached one? What if I reached two? What if I reached, you know, kept it small. I have a weekly live streaming program. And on that program, I did a couple months every week invited some of the leading disciple makers in the country on to speak. And so we would talk for 30 minutes about all the different things, you know, that they've seen within their ministry and that they're doing to make disciples. And then I closed out every interview with the question, what's the first step you'd tell someone to do in making disciples? There were six guests I asked that question to. And amazingly, all six gave the same answer. They didn't know each other. They didn't know what each other said. They all gave the same answer. Are you ready? Are you ready for that one tip to help you get out there and begin making disciples and to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Yeah, they all said, start with saying hello. And with all of them, I would say, whoa, 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 that sounds a little too simple. And they would explain a little bit more. Need to say hello. You need to ask a name. And the next time you see that person, you need to repeat that name. 
Every one of them. So I walked away from that series with four steps. Yeah, I know. They just told me one thing. (laughs) But four steps. We need to get in the way of someone. Then we need to say hello. Learn their name. And say that name the next time. Yeah. Those simple things. Now, I know some of you listening, you're like, Jake, I'm not an introvert. I'm a disciple-making machine. Awesome. (laughs) Keep doing it. Get in the comments and help us all do it. But from the experience I've had in ministry, very few, Very few of us are actively making disciples, building relationships, genuine relationships, the willingness to be lifelong friends, and ultimately hoping some point to get to share the gospel and then walk with that person in their journey with Christ and help them also become a disciple maker. So my image, the judgment seat of Christ, a little bit bizarre. I know not universal, but this fishing tournament weigh-in, are you going to have a catch? If not, let's start. Get in the way of somebody. Say hello. Learn their name. And say their name next time. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 